Do you know that from your position you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. chapter number 11. I want us to understand God's perfect plan and mind for marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Are we there? I'll start the reading from verse 1. Be ye followers of me even as I am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them unto you. But I would, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we want to look at something very important here in marriage. And um, I want us to be very attentive to get God's mind concerning marriage. Amen. How many of us, you have plans to get married here? Wave your hands. Amen. Please do, do. Wave your hands. Wave them. You have plans to get married. Do you want to get married? Wave your hands now. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Now, this is a revelation that the Lord gave the Apostle Paul to the body of Christ. And um, I want us to understand the mind of God concerning marriage. Because there is a continental perspective or concept of marriage. There is a traditional concept of marriage. There is an intercontinental concept of marriage. There is a social concept of marriage. But you have to first and foremost ask yourself this question. Who originated marriage? Who conceived the idea called marriage? And if you can answer that question, then you have to ask the person, not other people who have various and diverse concepts and perspectives of marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I want us all to read verse 3 of that, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 11 rather, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 3. I want us to read together, 1, 2, 3, let's go. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Hallelujah. Good. So, We have this understanding here that there are three headships. This is the revelation of the three headships in the creation of God. Hallelujah. The first headship is the Christ headship. Christ headship. Hallelujah. The second headship is the man 
the male man headship. Man or male man headship. The second, the third headship here is the Christ body of Christ headship. In other words, this is not Christ headship of man. This is not man's headship of the woman. But this is the Christ headship of the body of Christ. That means Jesus himself, the anointed one, being the head of the body. So we have three headships here. The male man being capped and glorified by Christ himself. And then the female man being capped and glorified by the male man. And then the body of Christ here being capped and glorified by Jesus himself. Jesus himself being capped and glorified by the Father. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at that again. And I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, the first headship is the head, headship of Christ over every man. And then the second one here is the headship of the male man over the female man, the woman. And then the third one here is the headship of Christ. Amen. The headship of God over Christ. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. Verse 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them. Okay? So we have this understanding in verse 27 that both the male man and the female man were made in the image of God. Right? Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Then Genesis 2. Genesis chapter number 2. We start the reading from verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Which man is he referring to here? The male man. Okay? And the Lord God said, it is not good that the male man should be alone. I will make for him and help meet for him. Another translation says, I help suitable for him. Suitable. Suitable. Glory to God. Suitable. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was his name thereof. Amen. Now, the question is this. What was God's concept, original concept of marriage? Because if you don't understand it, you will marry for the wrong reason. 
Amen. If you understand God's concept for marriage, then you marry for the right reason. Now notice the issue of controlling lust or not falling into uh, fornication or adultery, whatever the case may be, was not the reason God originated marriage. Because ever before the fall, marriage was God's idea. Well, after the fall, that could be used somehow, some way, to curb sexual immorality. But it is not the outright and eventual cure of it. Because that was not in view originally. Hallelujah. If you study 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, you'll find that, that the description of marriage there was of course born out of the light of Genesis 2 but was applied to situations of falling or, uh, let me put it this way, sinful um, inclinations. Now, marriage is being used as a tool to curb one from sinning. But that was not the original concept of God for marriage. Now, why marriage? It all originated in Genesis chapter number 2 and then rooted in verse 18 of Genesis chapter number 2. I want us all to read Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 18. Amen. 1, 2, 3, let's go. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him and help meet for him. I will make for him a help suitable for him. Now notice the word suitable for him. Praise God. A help suitable for him. The word help here is from that root word assistance, aid. Assistance, aid. And it is born out of God's original concept of companionship. Companionship. Now when you say man, man is not complete in the male man. There is another dimension of man that is the female man. The Bible says God created them in his own image. Male and female created he them. Male and female created he them. Hallelujah. So that means the completeness of manhood is in the two dimensions coming together. The male man and the female man interacting with each other. And that's the idea God had in mind. That was the idea God had. He had the idea of marriage being a perfect union of manhood. The two dimensions of manhood, the male man the female man coming together and unifying as one. And that was why he did not go outside the man, the male man, to create the female man. He caused a deep sleep to come upon the male man and took one of his ribs and then formed the woman and brought the woman to the man. So he tells you that the idea of God for marriage or the concept of God 
as touching marriage is oneness. That which was taken out of the man, brought back to the man, to be with the man and live together as one with the man. So that the unification and the union of manhood is made perfect again. Glory to God. Now so the two dimensions of manhood I exposed there are seen clearly. The male man and then the female man. So God's concept of marriage originally is companionship. Let's not say companionship. Every other thing is secondary to it. Procreation, giving birth to children, culturally in some of our cultures around, they say, well, the reason you marry is so you can give birth to children. But that's not correct. You could as well go out there and impregnate a lady and then you have a child. So that's not, that's not the reason for marriage. Though it's one of the fruits of marriage. It's one of the uh, blessings of marriage. But it's not the, the very reason why God originated marriage. Praise God. Now, and God said, it is not good for the man to be all in one. To be alone. I will make for him a help suitable for him. And that word help means assistance, aid. Born out of the sense of companionship. Companionship. Let's always say companionship. Say it again. Say it again. Okay? So, God wants the male man and the female man to interact. In a perfect oneness of manhood. So that there is no part of manhood that is lacking. Because you see, you have to understand that the male man is different from the female man. Though them both have been created in God's image, but the male man is different in his individuality apart from the female man. And then the coming together of these two dimensions of manhood will make the completeness of manhood. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now notice here. Look up. There was nothing wrong with the male man. Before God made the female man. And notice the male man never complained to God. That I am lonely. So make me another man. So I can fellowship with that man. The male man was not lonely. He was alone. And the difference between loneliness and aloneness is that loneliness is you need, you have, you have that feeling or that void on the inside to fellowship with someone else. You are from fellowship of the same class. Aloneness is that all in your world you have your own kind, and there is no other dimension of your own kind that you can actually fellowship with. I'll break it down and explain that. Amen. When someone is lonely, how do you know the person is lonely? You know someone is lonely when the person is bored. The person might be in the midst of other people, but there is nothing the person can connect or connect with. 
So the person is not really satisfying that inner desire of fellowship. That's loneliness. The man had fellowship with God and he was enjoying it. But there was another dimension of his manhood that he had no idea of. He had no idea about. And God needed to bring that dimension of manhood to him. That manhood is not just all about the male man. Manhood is all about the male man and the female man. So when you say man, man is not complete without the female man. The male man is not complete without the female man. So there must be an organic oneness between the male man and the female man for you to have the completeness of manhood. And God created them in his own image. Male and female. Male and female. Come let us make man in our own image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion. Man in our own image. So God created them in his own image. Notice he didn't say God created him in his own image. Them in his own image. Male and female created he them. So when God made the male man, he knew there was another dimension of manhood that must be made. Not that the man was void of fellowship or he lacked fellowship with God. No. Notice he did not complain. God said it is not good. It is not a perfect idea for man to be male man alone. There is another dimension of manhood that is the female man and that is God's perfect idea. Marriage is the man, the male man, and the female man coming together and interacting as one so that the perfect picture and perfect fullness of manhood is reflected. Glory to God. Amen. So if you are lonely and you think marriage is going to solve your problem, you are deceiving yourself. You could be lonelier. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Marriage does not solve the problem of loneliness. God didn't use marriage as a concept to solve the problem of loneliness. God used marriage as a concept to solve the problem of aloneness. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. It's just like you cannot have electricity flow without the positive and the negative. So, when you have just the negative alone and the positive is not there, it won't flow. You get what I'm trying to say here? Uh-huh. So, the thing is, God made the male man and the female man, joining them together in that perfect image of his person. So, without that union again, there cannot be that perfect image of his person, except in Christ. Which is another dimension that we are going to take uh, after this study. Now, in Christ Jesus, look up, there is neither male nor female. The Bible says, it has pleased the Father that the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in Christ. Do you understand that? So in Christ Jesus, the male factor or the female factor has nothing. It has no bearing. But not so in marriage. 
in marriage, there's a male man and there's a female man. We cannot have a male man and then a male man in marriage. No, that's not God's perfect idea. Or a female man and then a female man. No, that's not God's idea. God's idea is a male man and a female man coming together. So in marriage, there is a male and there is a female. But in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. Okay. So let's, let's move on with this good understanding. Companionship. What is companionship? Companionship is not just friendship. Companionship is friendship with purposeful understanding. In other words, you know why you are in that friendship. You know what the other person is contributing to you. And you know what you are giving as a contribution to the other person. The very essence of marriage is for companionship. If women were to separate themselves from the world of men and then carve out another niche for themselves, they would not be fulfilled. Because that is not everything about the dimension, the fullness of man. There is a dimension that shows the female side and there is another dimension that shows what? The male side. A marriage brings this, these two dimensions together to interact perfectly. That interaction is called companionship. I will make for him a help, an aid, an assistant. Suitable for him. Praise the Lord. Now every other thing, procreation, um, sex and all other factors that come in, they are secondary to this main thing, which is companionship. Companionship. Praise the Lord. Amen. I said amen. So, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 11. And look at the plan of God again. Verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of every and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Hallelujah. The head of every man is Christ. Every man. Both the male and the female. And then he goes on to say the head of the woman is the man. The head of the woman is the man. And then he says, the head of Christ is God. God the Father. Hallelujah. Now, every woman here must have this picture of marriage before you enter into it. Or else don't sign into it. Because you see women in marriage quoting the scripture. There is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. Alright? Yes, that's correct. Hallelujah. But not so in marriage. In marriage, there is a male and there is a female. And there is a definition of who the male is, according to the Bible. 
And there is also a definition of who the female is according to the Bible. Now, if you take this definition and then you walk in the light of it, you will be happy. But if you don't, you'll be sad and sorrowful. The head of the woman in marriage is the man. The head of the woman in marriage is the man. Now what does that mean? It does not mean the man is the oppressor of the woman. No. It means that the man has become the glory of that woman. He has become the leader. He has become the pioneer. He has become the driver. And if you don't have that idea, if you have this idea of, well, a man and a woman are equal. Equal in creation in the fact that they they both were made in God's image. Fine. But not equal in responsibilities and rights exercised in authority in marriage. If you don't understand that, then there will be trouble. Hallelujah. For every woman here who wants to get married, wave your hands. You want to be somebody, somebody's wife, wave your hands. Wave it well now. Uh-huh. Praise God. Amen. Now, it is not scripturally right for a woman to usurp authority from a husband, even when the man is missing in action. If you have that mindset, you will not enjoy marriage, no matter what. You must understand that in marriage, the man is the head. The word of God has given us that definition. You say, well, no, how can he be the head? Well, is the head by designation, is the head by nature in marriage. But you see, when it comes to fulfilling our God-given destinies in the body of Christ, in Christ, Maybe being a ministry gift, fulfilling your calling, whatever. A man does not have a better advantage than the woman. Because there is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. But when you go back home, even if you were to be the pastor of your house, or in church, and then you were called of God to pastor, let me give you an instance, like Joyce Mayer, being um, the set man in that ministry. If she goes back home, she cannot be the pastor at home, pastoring her husband. If she tries to do that, she will get into trouble. Why? Because according to God's designation, she has left that jurisdiction whereby in Christ Jesus there is neither male nor female. Now, interacting with her husband is on another level. And her eyes of understanding must be open to that fact that now this is my husband, not just someone who is working in my ministry. Hello? And that's why sometimes it's very difficult for women who have been placed in the position of authority in the church to submit to their husbands at home. You know why? They have this mindset of leadership, 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 and then when they go home, they think they will lead their husbands too. And the man says, no, you will not do that. And then she gets angry. <laughs> Some of them will eventually say, okay, I'm not marrying again. 
they call it divorce. If you go to the United States, I won't mention names, you see ministers, female ministers, who are no longer living with their husbands. Why? Because they are used to leadership in church. Prophetesses, prophetess, prophetess, um, uh, pastors, um, apostles, healing evangelists. Praise God. So they are used to giving orders in the church, which is their position indeed according to the calling of God upon them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because in Christ Jesus there is neither male nor female. So they can give orders that way. They can be under the anointing and speak authoritatively that way. But when they go back home, they must submit themselves to their own husbands. But you see, the mindset is there because they, they have not understood the headships there are that God has set in place. Hallelujah. I know there are great women of God here. If you, if you are one of them, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, great women of God. For the very fact that you are married does not mean that your calling is sacrificed. You are still called of God because the gift and the calling of God they are without, without repentance. So marriage cannot negate your calling. Marriage cannot neutralize it. But your relationship in marriage can hinder your calling. The same way it does to a woman, it can also do to a man. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Your relationship with your wife can hinder your calling. The Bible says, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge that your prayers be not what? Hindered. If your prayers are hindered, your ministry is hindered. True or false? Uh-huh. So the reason a lot of women, apart from very few, few women, like um, Gloria Copeland, she has mastered this and she's seen it in that light. So she's fulfilling a ministry under her husband. And when it comes to healing meetings, Kenneth will always hand the healing meetings to Gloria because that's her calling. But you see, when she comes back home, she submits to her husband. Now, this is not church now, so to speak. This is not ministering under the anointing. This is being a wife to your husband. You don't tell your husband the same way, bring the sick, sit down here, rise up, and everybody's rising up. Why? Because that's, that's a position, that's a calling, that's an anointing. Close your eyes, everybody. Anybody's, lift up your hands, everybody. And then you can't go home and be saying that to your husband. Sit down. Lift up your hands. And you say, no, I won't. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so you see the difference now. If you see the difference here, wave your hands. For women who are getting ready to get married, you must understand that. If you are not ready to accept it, please don't get married. Please don't. Amen. And then you say, well, the man is not um, sharp enough. He's not intelligent enough for me to submit to him. Alright? Don't marry him then. Praise God. Don't marry him. If he's not smart enough to command your submission, then don't marry him. 
Because if you marry him, you must submit to him. Now what is submission? We have to understand what submission is. So that we don't misunderstand it. Submission does not mean being a slave. Submission does not mean losing your own mind. And whatever your husband tells you to do, you do. He says you should kill yourself, you kill yourself. That's not submission. Submission means understanding his position as the leader. And being a follower, submitting to his leadership. A man is not superior to a woman in that sense of quality. But a man, by designation, by nature, the male man, is the leader. So he is occupying a greater position because of the very fact that God has made him so. So, submission is you know he is the leader. You are not trying to usurp authority. You are not trying to take his position as the leader. You are not competing with him. Because if you see women competing with men, they are inferior. They look, they feel inferior. That's why they are trying to compete. You just let him take his place. You don't compete with the driver in the car or in the bus taking you somewhere. You just let him be the driver and you enjoy the ride. True or false? Just enjoy the ride. Don't say, no, 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 move this way. No, there will be an accident that way. You just stay in there. If you are the passenger, be the passenger. Let the driver be the driver. Alright? And just enjoy the ride. Glory to God. That's submission. Amen? Let me give you an instance. Sometimes you know what to do. And you know the decision to make. But you are waiting for his ratification. Why? Because he's the leader. Should we go ahead with this? I have thought about this. I have priced this. I have done that. And now should we go ahead? Oh fine. Go ahead. Now you have recognized him as the leader. It's just like in a subgroup. Or in a unit. Or in a department. You don't just take decisions without telling your HOD. You don't just go ahead and say, Okay, we have found this to be good. And we are bringing it into the subgroup. No. That means you have not recognized his leadership. Not that he's going to you know, be opposed to what the idea you are bringing in to improve that unit or that subgroup. But you have to tell him that we have found out that this is going to help this unit and we are bringing it in. Oh, beautiful idea. Beautiful idea. Let it come in. That means you have recognized the leadership of that leader in that unit. Praise the Lord. So that's what it means. It's just like <clears throat> you're telling your pastor some things. I would like to do this. I would like to do that. And what do you think about it? It shows you recognize him as your pastor and you recognize his opinion concerning that situation. You could as well, you know, go ahead and just do whatever you want to do and then you come and report to him. That I have done this and I have done that and I have done that. And then he says, well done. You see that? 
So when you say submission here, does not mean you have lost your mind, you are a fool. The man says you should sit down on the floor, you, you sit down there, he, you know, he oppresses you. That's not submission. That's not submission. But submission is recognizing his leadership, seeing him as the leader of that team, seeing him as the leader of that team, and then accepting that leadership. So when he gives instructions in that light, you obey those instructions because you know that he is the leader in this team. It's simple. Praise the Lord. Amen. See, when, when women don't have that understanding, they fall into all kinds of temptations. Praise the Lord. How many of us have this idea, your, your mom is building a house, your dad does not know about it? You see? So all those ideas, you have to, re- when you get born again, having been born again, you have to renew your mind to those things. I mean, the, the truth of God's word, and then get your mind out of that wrong thing. It is not right for a wife to be building a house and the man doesn't know about it. Of course, there are some very, very faulty relationships. Maybe the man is full of envy and does not want the wife to rise. Amen? Now, your relationship won't be like that. I'm not praying for you. You know why? I'm, I'm telling you that that is the reality because you see, many of them married in ignorance. Some of them, they brought wives for them. Some of the dad says, this, this other, you know, um, friend of mine has been so good to me. He's a covenant friend. You must marry his daughter. Or else I would disown you. But now, such things are no more. And if you let it be on you, it's your fault. There's nobody that should be, able to me, should be strong enough of will, strong will to uh, enforce anything on you and say you must marry so so and so. You say, no, not me and you. I told my mom that, I said, you can't tell me who to marry. Alright? We're in a contemporary age. I must be responsible for the person I marry. You can't enforce someone on me. If the person had been your covenant friend all this while, and then just let it be a covenant friend between you and the person. Alright? I was sent into this world, alright, to my generation through you, not to you. So let me leave. Glory to God. Amen? You understand that? You must take responsibility for that action. Particularly marriage. You don't let anybody influence you wrongly. Praise God. Amen? And then you must marry in the Lord. And you must marry first and foremost. Before you think about marrying anybody at all, you must be a sound believer. That's the first thing. Amen? Amen. Don't say, the person is good looking and all that. Fine. You'll be tired of that. It's a matter of time. The person must be a believer and must be sound. That's the first quality or prerequisite. So that's why I know that is not going to happen to you. You see, it is wrong for the wife to be doing something and the husband does not know anything about it. Amen? It shows the woman is not following the leadership of the man. Why? If anything happens or if anything goes wrong, who takes responsibility for it? She wants the man to take responsibility, but he doesn't know anything about it. Praise the Lord. 
So these things are very, very important for you to know that, okay, I want to get married. You must understand it that this is the concept of God about marriage so that you don't rope in yourself into some terrible things. You must get a clear-cut understanding of God's concept of marriage. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, there's neither what? Male nor female, but not so in marriage. In marriage, who is the leader? Is the male man. The woman submits to his leadership. What does that mean? He, she recognizes that this is the leader. When it comes to decision making, you deliberate together. You think together. Alright? But you still push it to him to press the turtle or press the brake. Praise the Lord. If you are a woman here and you, you want to get married to a man that does not have a mind of his own and you are in charge controlling, alright? You are breeding children, male children that will be weak male figures. And these are the disasters we have in our society today. You see men behaving like women. They can't take decisions. They don't have any will of... They can't say, I'm moving to the next level. And say, um, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Man asks, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Or what are we going to do? Always asking, what are we going to do? You should meditate on something and know what to do. Hallelujah. Sincerely, how many of us have mothers with very strong will and strong personalities, and you know your mother is in charge at home? Raise up your hand. Please, sincerely, you know my mother is the one in charge here. Raise up your hand. For females like that, you must renew your mind. Amen? (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Renew your mind to the fact that the man has to be in charge. If you read through the Bible, you will not find any place where the Bible says women train up your children or wives. It says fathers. Fathers. Does that mean the woman does not have a role in it? No. She assists in that training. But the man takes the lead. It is natural for children to look up to their parents. Especially their father. Especially their father. No matter how much affection their mothers show them. They still want to look up to their father. Why? Because he's the figure of authority in there. In that family. Now when you feed your mind with wrong things and wrong stuff, you believe that, well, the woman can also, you know, stand in the place of the man. No. The woman can assist the man to stand in his place. It's not the other way around. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) You know, I, I was telling my wife something. I said, look, when David was still sucking, The affection to his mom was so strong. And then it got to the time I told her, I said, look, he's still going to come and have so much affection towards me. She said, how? I said, it's the love of God. I've read the Bible enough to know that that's true. Amen. Not that we are competing for 
the attention of our children. No, 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 no. It is natural for children to look up to their parents, especially their fathers. Either male or female children. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then when he began to grow, he grew up to that level. And oh, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. And then always running. And, and then she just said, you know, uh, jokingly that, eh, so you know your daddy now. <laughs> I said, yeah. You know, I told you. Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So you must have that understanding. Men who are ready to be husbands, wave your hands. Amen? Because there are many men, but very few husbands. That's that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Too many men, but very few husbands. Praise God. I became a husband at a very at least good age, not too tender. Amen. But some, they want to be around 45, 50. I don't know what they are waiting for. They want to make all the money, build all the houses they could build, have all the cars, all the prominence, rise up to be a prof, and then they want to marry. So, so much ego. So they want to tame the woman and make a slave out of her. Praise God. Let's all say, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Alright? So, uh, you have to understand, men, that you need help. Many men are proud. Very proud. And if you are so proud a man, don't get married. Because you'll be frustrated. Most men don't have this consciousness that they need help. They feel like I'm a man. I can fix it by myself. All by myself. I can get it done by myself. So you see men who are married. But they have not seen the place of their wives in their lives. She's just there. When I need a, a user, when I'm done, I just leave her, dump her. So far, I'm providing for the family. I'm okay. At least she doesn't lack any good thing. I give her 150000 every month. What, what else does she want? Notice marriage is not all about you. Male men, wave your hands. If you don't need help, don't get married. Be single all the rest of your life. Hello? I will make for him a help comparable, suitable for him. So this understanding of interaction is very, very, very important. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, functioning in marriage as the man, the male man, he, there, there are so many responsibilities attached to it. 
so many responsibilities attached to it. Hallelujah. I, I told you last week, it, it takes much more than a broad chest and an ability to impregnate a woman to be a man. Yeah. To be a man, to be a leader, it means you have come of age. Not necessarily chronologically, but to a degree chronologically. Not marrying at 14. Amen. Praise God. Some white guys do that. And then they struggle all through till when they are 25, 26. And then they marry in, in the actual sense of it. So they were actually caught in a marriage for many years. Praise God. That's when two children get married. Amen. And that's what you find. Praise God. So it takes so much to be the man and then be the leader in that relationship. The man must come of age. He must be mature in everything. Praise the Lord. I remember there was a lady that wanted to get married on campus. And then I was asking the lady, the man you are about to get married to, what does he do for a living? In that sense of for a living, you understand what I mean? Is he working and all that? I said, he's just living by faith. And um, <laughs> I want to join him in, in our faith work. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't mean you must marry a multi-billionaire. But at least there must be something coming in for him regularly. Even if it's 5000 per month. Even if it's 10000 per month. Something must be regular. Amen. You know, you don't expect me to join someone who doesn't have a job. And say, I'm believing God with you. I'm joining. I won't do such a silly thing. <laughs> the same faith <laughs> that has brought you this far. And believes that you'll get a job after marriage. It's good enough to get that job for you before marriage. Glory to God. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Amen. So, okay, you, you're planning your wedding. Do you have savings? We don't have savings. The Lord told us that we're going to have, we're going to have a marriage. We're going to get married so, so time. We believe the word of the Lord. I'm a spiritual man too. I believe. Amen. Praise God. Miracle is shortening the process of things. It's not eliminating process. If you fix a date, you walk towards it. You might not have all the money, but at least you must have a seed. If you are believing God for a harvest, you must have what? A seed. Hallelujah. And then you are a civil servant and then your plan is 4 million naira for your wedding. I ask you, how is that going to come in? Well, the Lord says the money is going to come in and I believe God. Amen. I believe God with you too. Alright? But you see, cut it down to, if you can do a wedding of 250,000 or 300,000, do it. And wear a wedding gown that is at least good enough not necessarily bought in the UK and all those women. You see, this is how you know a woman who loves 
Jesus a husband or not. The truth is this. If you are pushing the man to spend and overspend, you are a wicked woman. Because when he's done with all the spending, alright? You drink Gary with the man, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. No, my gown, my wedding gown must be from the UK. It must be from the UK. I have sent one of my, my, my cousins to price the gown for me. Um, she said um, it's 150000 or it's 450000 or it's 1M. Now notice you're not going to wear the gown the following day. It's just for one day. Make it good enough for you. I don't mean you should wear something you don't like. That's, I don't mean you should wear something you hate and say, ah! <laughs> I, just, I just hate, I just hate it. When, no, it's your day. Amen. But it does not have to be excessively expensive. Praise the Lord. Amen. I said amen. Now if people are getting married, it has become a norm now in this church. We must see your budget. Alright? If we cannot have a say in your budget, we can't marry you. Go to the next church to marry you. And be church members there. Alright? You are still in the kingdom of God. There is no big deal about all these things. You are still in the kingdom of God. You have not left the kingdom of God. Amen? Let that man pastor you. We must have a say to advise you. What about this? And are you starting, Have you started a business of your own? Uh, no, I have not started a business. But we want to display the glory of God in this wedding. <laughs> You know our God is an extravagant God. He says He's able to do exceeding abundant level. I understand scriptures. I understand scriptures. Alright? Wisdom says, why not slash this thing into two? And use the half of it to start a business. It's either you do it this way. I can say slash it into one quarter, three quarter. Use one quarter for the wedding. Use three quarter for your business. Or you will do it this way. You postpone your wedding. And start a business. When the business is established, out of the overflow of that business, you can now do your wedding. Make your choice. Ah, we have to do our wedding now. We have to do it. And then you will slice it. Three quarter, one quarter. Because, you see, we don't want you to be a project to the church after wedding. Yeah. Because you see, if anything happens thereafter, we must take care of you. That's our responsibility. So, it is very important that these things... You see, the man must come to up to that point. You must assist the man. What are you doing now? What are you going to be doing? Amen? If you see a man who is not doing anything in the actual sense of it, but it's always believing. Yesterday he believed. Today is believing. Tomorrow he will believe. And then he's, for like three years, he's always believing. God is working. God is doing something through us now. And all that. And you can't see anything God is doing. Beloved, that's not faith. That's presumption. What is that called? Presumption. And please, I beg you, as a man, it is, it is demeaning. It is not good enough for you to say, this is our wedding budget. 
How much are you taking there? Talking to the intending wife. What's your own portion? You better pick something now. <laughs> He's already showing you his irresponsibility. You better think twice too. <laughs> Amen. It should be your own free will that this is what I want. I will do this. I will do that. Not that he's mandating you. It is 50-50 wedding. Know. So who is marrying who? Hello? Amen. So please don't just come near me to tell me you want to get married. Without those facts settled, I won't listen to you. Amen. <laughs> I will tell you to go and see mommy. <laughs> mommy can attend to it. She's very patient. She can say this one, that one. You understand? You get it? But I don't have that time. You must show me your results, proofs. Because I have to meditate and do a lot of things, praise God. My mind is very busy. But she's mommy. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. amen. So the man, being a man goes beyond just broad chest, ability to impregnate a woman. You must be mature in every wise of that or in every sense of that word maturity. Financially you must be see when I see men lazing around, alright? And that's why you see a man who is interested in a lady because they are wealthy in their family. And then her father will jumpstart him. He's a useless man. Amen? He's, he's not a man of responsibility. I would tell my father-in-law, please, I don't want any contribution into this family. Please don't, I, we don't, I don't want any, nobody should pity us. If we are staying in a two-bedroom flat or a self-contained, we are going to stay like, like this and believe God for a flat bigger than this. He said, because of my daughter, are you going to take your daughter? For me, my, my father-in-law couldn't have tried that with me or my mother-in-law. Praise God. Because the way I carried myself. Uh-huh. You can't, you can't, you know, my carriage, the way I carry myself, he will not even mention it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Daddy, daddy, are you thinking about blessing us? <laughs> the Lord has been moving my heart along that line. No, it's not the Lord. It's irresponsibility. <laughs> Praise God. A man who cannot or does not fend for his own household is worse than an unbeliever. Ah. There are situations where the wife earns much more than the husband. You see, there's no saying the man must always earn more than the wife. There's, it's not written in the Bible. Hello? But the man must always be the man. That's, that's what is in the Bible. The woman might be earning 150 and the man is earning 50,000. Does not make the woman the man. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The man out of that, I remember when my wife was earning up to 100,000, I was earning 35,000 naira as a G. <laughs> Glory to God. And out of that, I would give my tithe, give my offering. 
And then I, I was giving my wife allowance, 5K every month. <laughs> Ask her. She said. She was earning much more than that. She said, should, should I buy this? I said, don't worry. I will take care of it. Sometimes she did some things out of her own free will, but I never mandated her. Oh yeah, go and take some money out of that. No, no, no. Amen. And I didn't feel inferior because I was earning 35000 Because this mentality that your wife must never earn more than you, it's a, it's a demonic mentality. It's, it's not right. What if your wife studied medicine? And she's a consultant. Alright? You went to NC. <laughs> you're, a, you're a headmaster. <laughs> Amen. Now look up, please. Listen to this. <laughs> Listen to this. Amen. Now, it's not, it's not the status you have in a society that has made you worthy to be the husband of that medical doctor. I didn't study medicine. I read building. Alright? My wife is a medical doctor. I'm not a husband because I studied building. What is in me is much more than building. I, I know who I am. It has nothing to do with my course. I read Yoruba or whatever. It, it has nothing to do with it. I know who I am. So it is not your course that makes you more important than the other person. If you don't know your worth, it does not matter what you read or studied in the university. Praise God. Amen. I said amen. Uh huh. So, being a consultant, she could be earning up to three fifty thousand, maybe working at the OETAC and then also lecturing in OEU, being paid as a lecturer, being paid as a consultant. And then she comes home with five hundred thousand. <laughs> and then you pocket your own money. You say, ah. My wife is blessed. And then you keep teasing your wife. My wife, my wife. <laughs> Are you going to raise your husband? You don't do such things. Praise God. If you are earning 50,000 naira, you are so responsible as a man that you command the respect of your wife. Hallelujah. So being a man, it's a whole lot of responsibility. Praise the Lord. And don't let me catch any man. You made laughter wedding. You didn't have plans for your children. Bola, you, you are, you are impregnating your wife. You must not be caught with that. It is not right. Your children must not be circumstantial children. They must not be born in pain. And penury without plan. No. You plan the thing. It's not that we are, we are married now. Glory to God. And then twins. <laughs> they are coming into this world. You have to plan for them. 
Most of us are in, are, in fact, if not for the grace of God, what we went through. You go to your dad, your dad will post you to your mom. You go to your mom, your mom will post you back to your dad. Because the children are too many. So it gets to a time that some, some of the children just, just feel like, hey, I must take my destiny in my hand and just go out and look for a job. Why? No plans. Praise the Lord. You see that? So there's nothing, there are all kinds of means to, you know, plan your family these days. Family planning, right? Uh-huh. You say, well, I can't use this. No, you have to. And then when you are ready for the children, bring them forth. You say, well, children are the heritage of God. They are the heritage of God. The fruit of the womb is reward. Just produce them, produce them. God will take care of them. That's not true. You have a responsibility to take care of your children. Hallelujah. So, the planning, these are things you must discuss in courtship. Because it might be too late in marriage. One dose like this, you're already pregnant and then you are discussing that. You can't abort. You're a believer. Did you hear that? You can't say, hey, you know, my child, I can You cannot abort. Praise the Lord. Amen. Spiritually, the man has to be mature. It has to be sound because decisions will be taken. Conclusions will be reached. If there is any assault against your family as a man, you have the responsibility in the place of prayer to wave it off. In fact, there's a covering of prayer and intercession you spread over your family as a man. I remember God gave me a word after our wedding. Ah, it really, really got me thinking. God said, now, if anything happens to this woman, I will take you responsible. And when she was pregnant with, my wife was pregnant with her first son, David, if anything happens to this woman, you're responsible. So jack up your prayer life. Amen. Before my wife wakes up in the morning, I wake up. She doesn't wake me up. Amen. You must be sound spiritually. Because it goes beyond just providing, you know, for the family. Giving them money. Money, 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 money. It goes beyond money. You must be sound spiritually as a man. Praise God. And I beseech you by the message of God, godly women that are here. Help your husband to be spiritually sound. If you don't help him to be spiritually sound, it will fall back on you. It will tell on you. Why? Because, you see, when the man is praying, don't say, eh, he doesn't have time for me. And that's the time you remember that he does not have time for you. I don't mean you should be praying all the time. I don't have time for your wife. But the woman 
must assist and help the man to be sound spiritually. Because if the head is sound, the body will be sound. Hallelujah. So he has to be sound spiritually. Praise God. And then lastly, just sharing from my heart. All the godly men that are here, wave your hands to the Lord. Amen. Wave your hands, wave your hands. Good. When you are growing up and doing all your spiritual exercise or exercises, and you are gaining height in the spirit, make sure you carry your wife along. Because can two walk together except they be agreed? If you don't carry her along, you will not go too far. Because there will always be somebody at home that will bring you down. Get inflated in church, go to a mountain, pray, be soaked in the anointing. When you come home, there is a cold cloth waiting for you. To soak out of you every warmth that you have gathered. Did you hear that? <clears throat> and now, if you neglect her own spiritual growth, while you are welling up, praying, doing all that, you, all the good books, you read alone. <clears throat> E.W. Kenyon, you read alone. <laughs> Kenneth E. Egan, you read alone. Miles Morrow, you read alone. A. Allen, you study alone. And then you come to a point, you look at the woman, she does not understand the flows of the spirit. She can't catch my spirit. Why did I marry this kind of woman? <clears throat> no, it's your responsibility to carry her along. Don't forget you are the trainer. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to say this to women too. As you are growing up, make sure you catch the frequency of your husband to flow along with him. Because it's one thing for him to make efforts to take you up along with himself. It's another thing for you to be willing to flow along with him. Particularly when children are coming in. I don't know where the desires of women go to. But yours is not like that in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. The first child, the second child, they are just passive. Third child, passive. I believe children don't steal out of women that the passion to become all that God wants them to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, even as the books are on the, the, the shelves there, you just go there, pick one of the books and read and then, this is how to initiate a communication. Ask your husband questions. Amen? Because you see, there are times that he could be so busy. His mind is so busy. Ministry, work, family, responsibility, finances and all that. <clears throat> that he does not have that time, so to speak. But you can initiate fellowship. I've studied so, 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 I know. so, so, so. What do you think about it? Ooh, that's great. Righteousness. You see? And then he teaches for the next three hours. Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Now, don't forget the baseline. What's the baseline? Companionship. Companionship. Doing things together. Solving problems together. Working out things together. Not one person working it out alone. That's not companionship. Reading books together. Attending conferences together. Praying together. Studying together. There must be that element of togetherness in companionship. Companions in the same ship. Companionship. Interacting with one another. Friends. Fellowshipping with one another. Hallelujah. That's the perfect idea of marriage. And it must be between a male man and a female man. Praise God. A male man and a female man. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this as we close. In courtship, you must smoothen out your friendship and make it good enough for marriage. Have you found out this, that some people, before they got engaged, they were more into friendship with one another. After they got engaged, friendship began to go down. And it went down like that into marriage. And it shouldn't be. The essence of courtship is to smoothen out that Every flaws, every friction, every flaw, every friction you have in that friendship, you smoothen it out and make it good enough for marriage. Praise the Lord. Now, if friendship would work out well in courtship, there's every sign and every likelihood. That it will work out well in marriage. Did you hear that? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Are you engaged to your friend? Or an acquaintance? Amen. Ask yourself that question. The person I'm going out with, the person I call my future partner, are we really friends? Hello? Ask your, ask your neighbor, are you engaged? If the person says yes, say the person you are going out with, is he really your friend or is she really your friend? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How do you develop friendship? Begin to know areas of each other's interests. You develop interest in that same interest. That's how to develop friendship. Some women don't like football at all. Amen. But a man likes football so well. Praise God. She doesn't want to be interested. If my club is Chelsea, alright, you should know at least two or three players. 
And then you talk about Drogba. I heard something about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you, that's how you start. And then you move into a, another level of discussion. Higher and deeper than that. But you must be interested. Hallelujah. You must be interested. For me, if you want to catch any of my interests at all, talk about ministry. Talk about Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's, that's my area of interest. If you are saying something else, and I will just be nodding my head and all that, I will doze off. Praise God. I will just doze off. Amen. How do we win more souls? How do we minister healing to people? You know? Talking about the supernatural life. How do we live it out? Working out the power of God. <laughs> Those things interest me. <laughs> My wife knows. Praise God. Amen. I can talk for 100 hours discussing ministry. Hallelujah. For some, might be another thing. Amen. And these are the things you should know. If you were to buy your friend, your fiancé, or your fiancé, a pair of shoes... Do you know his size? Do you know her size? What about a dress? You see people who are in a relationship for years. They don't know all those things. My best color. She likes purple clothes and you are buying her black, black, black. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. These things are very, very important. Amen. When we're cutting my wife and I, we cut it for five years, two months, and 20 days. Amen. <laughs> when we're cutting it, eh, I knew some things about her, some very personal things. Very personal things. We were so close, I knew when she was menstruating. Yes. I knew. And I knew when the next one would be. Yes, we were that close. Glory to God. <laughs> so that's, that's, I don't mean that's what you should be asking for. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I got to know by friendship, not that I was asking for it. Hallelujah. We were, we were that close. We were that close. Amen. We were that close. So you see, when you begin to develop interest, what does she want? What does she like? What, what has she been wired for? What is her passion? What is his passion? Alright? And please note this, that a relationship is not all about the lady. Because ladies have that mindset. It's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Praise God. It's not all about the man. It's not all about the lady. There are some things you have to learn too. You must leave some things that you don't like doing. Sometimes some people don't like viewing um, films. And then he likes viewing films. Particularly detective. Crime. He likes things that will bring out, you know, some deep questions in his mind. And you don't like sitting down to do that. You have to sacrifice and do that for him. 
but you feel like it's all about you, it has to come around when you say, I need you. And if it doesn't come around, he doesn't love you again. That's not right. You don't want to care what he, what he is doing over there. You don't want to care whether he's trapped down or uh, held up somewhere in um, a traffic, whatever. You just want him to come around and come around and come around and come around. It's all about you. And when he's coming, he must come with a gift. If he doesn't give you a gift, he doesn't love you again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's close. <laughs> Say this with your mouth. The concept of marriage is that of companionship. Say it again. Say the concept of marriage is that of companionship. Amen. Now, companionship does not necessarily mean wearing um, aha. You know? Ankara, Ankara today, the same color, the same style, and then you say, oh, they, they are married. Amen? Well, some believe that is it, praise God, but my own view, in my own view, I don't believe that is it. Amen? I don't think I, do we have any, apart from the one we use for our traditional wedding? Amen? Do we have any other one? Huh? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, you know, I believe unity is not uniformity. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's it. Glory to God. Start doing things together. Reading together, studying together, attending conferences together. You know, there's an issue. Solve it together. Start doing things together. Companionship. 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 Start solving problems together. Start praying together. Start eating out together. Take a stroll out together. Companionship. Read a book. Give it to her. Amen. My wife knows if there's anything I don't like. Is that having read a book, I give her a book. And then she's very, very good at reading. Glory to God. She reads a lot. So when I give her a book, I've read this book, read. And then she'll read chapter one. I say, have you finished the book? Um, she, she likes listening to tapes much more than this, I mean, reading books. I can do the both very freely. So I give her, <clears throat> read this book. Yeah, I'll read it. <laughs> I have to make her read that book. Glory to God. That's companionship. You flow together. So that when you are talking that we are designating 20% of our finances to missions. Ah! Is that not too much? We have the same thinking. We have read the same books. We are, we are, we are giving 40% of our income out. We want to help orphans. You hear this response. What about our children? <laughs> you know where she's talking from. You can't blame it. Why? Because you see, you you have been reading similar books. You have the same what understanding, companionship, companionship.
companionship. That is the very essence of marriage. Every other thing is just by the way. Amen. If you are okay solving problems alone, by yourself, by yourself, alone, by yourself, by yourself, alone, you don't need a woman. You don't need a man. Stay single. So anyone who really wants to be a success in marriage must be what? A team player. Let's not say a team player. Yes. I don't mean Ronaldinho that will dribble from won't pass to anybody, we just dribble everybody and then face the keeper and play the team away from the post. No. I mean someone who do his own part and then give the ball to another person and then position himself in another good place. And then the ball comes to him and then he dribbles one person and then gives the ball. He's making progress. A team player. Hallelujah. That is the very essence of marriage. So that your children is born out of intimacy. Not obligation to give back to them. Children who are born into that kind of family are dysfunctional children. They are not born into love. Hallelujah. You see that? Glory to God. I said glory to God. Amen. Hold the hands of someone. Say be a team player. Say it again. 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 Amen. A man was driving once upon a time. And as he was driving, you know, a call came into his um, phone. And then he picked the phone he was driving, placed the phone, you know, and was driving. His wife was there. Alright? He needed to pick a pen and a notepad to write down something and information, you know, being given. And then he picked the thing and then he was still driving. Why did you marry? Ah, Jackie Chan. <laughs> Why did you marry now? What is the woman going to be doing? He wants to do everything. Ah, relax. Be a team player. Amen. Glory to God. Rise to your feet. So you know why you are getting married now? You, you, you are flowing together with that person. Alright? You're solving the problem together. She has her own contribution. She's bringing it in. Alright? You are bringing everything together. And then you are directing it at something. Achieving something. Making progress. Glory to God. And someone says, well, what about distance? She's not around. He's not around. How do I do it? Thank God for overnight calls. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank God for chatting on the internet. Thank God for mails. Glory to God. You can make something happen. I remember a brother was sharing with me how um, himself and... um, his fiancée, they do their Bible study online. Glory to God. Bible study online. Study the Word of God 
and then he will send the outline and then she will study and then send her own portion of it and then they interact okay that part at night overnight call okay that other part and all that what well, i this this is why I, I when i was studying i saw so 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 and so really ah that's the same thing i saw now we're thinking alike you know and then you just chat and then com- communicate that way that's the way it should be glory to god you know some people get engaged and then the following week they have forgotten that they got engaged last week yeah <laughs> And that is very common with brothers, men, the male man. Very common. All male men say, the mercy of God is upon me. Say, I am beloved of God. I have a sound mind. I do not forget that I'm engaged. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Lift up your two hands and bless. We know you've been blessed by this message. For further information and details on how to be a partner, please contact Shago Bashir Teaching Ministries on just 234-7066-453122 or plus 234-80601-00093. Stay blessed.